Welcome to Chapter One with Houston Public Library, where we give you just enough story to get you hooked. This episode features Beyond Me by Annie Donworth Chikamatsu, read by Jolie. This title is intended for tweens and is suitable for most audiences, recorded with permission of Athenium, an imprint of Simon & Schuster. March 9th, 2011. Not much time between good morning and goodbye. Out the door. Early. Father goes one way to catch a train east to Shinjuku. Then later, I go another way to walk to school. When all's clear, Mother goes to the table to work at her laptop. Out into March wind, I rush to meet Yuka, my best friend since kindergarten. Maya! she shouts to me. We run, grab hands, lean in, squint, and smile into each other's faces. We are sweaterless, kaze no ko, wind kids, who don't wear coats even in winter. With no time to spare, to be on time, we hurry on. At recess, a time when we choose how we use our time, Yuka and I run out to meet under the cherry tree near the gym. Long time no see, I say. She giggles. Ready? Yuka stands behind me, waiting, waiting, waiting for the wind to knock me back into her outstretched arms. It takes big gusts and trust to fall back. It's not easy for me to let go. There's hesitation, then panic the moment my toes are off the ground, then relief. Yuka's always there to catch me. Today's wind is not a true March wind, but we wait, let go, and fall as many times as we can until the playground clock says our time is up. Back inside, my class lines up, carrying our chairs to the music room. We're out of step, starting and stopping, bumping and scooting, straggling. Before lunch each day, these last days of fifth grade, we practice for the spring choir performance at the city concert hall on Monday, March 14th, five days from now. Parents mostly mothers, and grandparents will come at the appointed time, make their way through the lobby, then rush to seats as each grade files on stage, takes their places, sings, and exits. Teacher chose me to be front row center, to clink blocks, to keep the beat with her piano chords. I love this task, but it's not easy. Each day we get lost in bird notes. A thrush high in mulberry branches outside the music room, begins his song when we begin ours. He is trying to cheer us up. Our song sounds so sad. Humans are fragile, we sing. Teacher assures us the song will make hearts ring. It does end on a higher note, but it's no one's favorite, except maybe grandparents. We struggle on with my clank, clank, trying to get them in tune. Life is mysterious, we sing. Walls, windows, tree limbs shudder. The thrush disappears in a flutter. Teacher stands up. 11.45. Earthquake. We don't miss a beat, grabbing our padded emergency hoods from the back of our chairs, putting them on our heads in case something falls. We have earthquakes all the time, but this time, earth rocks us in circles. Someone says, this is eerie. Earth stills. We settle back into our classroom, where there are desks to slide under. If it happens again, it doesn't. Early afternoon in the gym, all fifth grade classes come together to practice. 
Moriyama's big hit, Sakura, a spring song for cherry blossom season. We will perform at the sixth graders' graduation ceremony. After they present us with rice seeds from their school project, they will stand from their chairs to face us as we sing. I know we will see them smile. We are in harmony from the first note. The thrush does not take a seat in the cherry tree outside the gym. Shoulder to shoulder within the group, I lift my eyes to the windows, singing the chorus, Sakura, Sakura, as these cherry blossoms bloom. I see sparrows flit and twitter twig to twig through cherry blossom buds, not ready to bloom. After school, I wait for Yuka. Not in a rush. On Wednesdays, we walk and chat, pass shops, and stop to count. Pigeons sitting in a bare tree. Bulbuls shredding magnolias and city workers pruning branches. The trees are full today, I say. You could giggles and I giggle back. We count. Twelve pigeons, three bulbuls, five city workers. Then cut along the path of great-grandfather's field, past the last cabbage, daikon, and broccoli. He's pushing a motor tiller, guiding it, making a new row of crops. A starling follows him, picking out insects. I call to him. Yuka echoes me, then says, He cannot hear us. He doesn't hear well anyway, and he never says much either, even back when I followed behind him, helping him pick out weeds and planting bowls of seeds, buckets of taro tubers and trays of edamame seedlings. Before I got too busy with school, cram school, and English practice. Great-grandfather has farmed full-time since age 17 for 63 years. Each year I think it will be his last. His customers pass his vegetable stand with bicycle baskets packed, with vegetables, toilet paper, and detergent. One-stop shopping at the new store kills his business, but still, he tills, sows, and gathers. Each season, there is always something to do. He plants less, but we always have plenty to eat. Grandmother pickles the excess. The starling pecks the softened soil. A wagtail zigs and zags and wags. Great-grandfather's fields feed them, too. Yuka asks, Same birds from yesterday? I don't know. Same from last year? I don't know how long they live. I only know their names and their songs. Mainly, I just love them. How they appear out of nowhere like an unexpected gift. How they come and go, fly in and out, as they please, as they need. Over a garden wall, we hear but do not see a bush warbler. At the park, two doves blink at us from their fence seat and greet us with a coo. We stop to inspect the cherry tree. One branch hangs down and reaches out to us. The blossom viewing prediction for Tokyo is right, we agree. No way this tree will bloom before a new school year begins April 6th. No way we will picnic under full blossoms the last days of our break. But no matter. Tight buds, Yuka and I, enjoy now together. We take our time before we have to start our evening schedules. Today, for her, abacus lessons. For me, English practice. See you, we say to the doves and to each other, and turn. Yuka left, I right. Grandmother is bringing in laundry at the house great-grandfather built. I stop at our gate, sitting side by side. The daffodils mother planted, the fall grandfather died. Wait to open. A breeze through their house reaches me. Paper, straw, wood, cold and dark. The house smells sunny like vegetables, 
freshly cut or drying. Grandmother always takes a break from the vegetable stand to bring in their laundry, to greet me when I return, and to help me while Mother works at our house. Doors slam. The wind, says Grandmother, and smiles. I yell, I'm home, toward our open living dining room window. Mother yells back, Maya, you're late. She sets aside time on Wednesdays, my break from cram school, to give me English lessons in listening, reading, writing, and computer skills in both languages. She was born in America, grew up an orphan in foster homes, came here, married father, the language, and the culture, and opened a translating service. I have two languages, two cultures, two passports. I have roots and wings, mother tells me often, but I have only been to America once. Still, I know it pretty well, its food, its music, its history. Mother chooses my favorite subjects to research, too. Today, she has prepared a research and note-taking exercise from a video about the smallest, most delicate bird in the world. It can fly through bad weather, balance midair, and hover, paddling its wings in infinity symbols. It can sip from breeze-blown flowers, darting to adjust to their sudden movements. It is strong and cute and beautiful at the same time. Its feathers sparkle and change with the angle of sunlight like a rainbow. Its name is Hummingbird. Mother corrects my spelling. Sadly, this bird, this jewel, stays only in the Americas. Wondering what happens next? Check out Beyond Me by Annie Donworth Chikamatsu, available in multiple formats at www.houstonlibrary.org. Thank you.